Attention! Welcome to the Film Mages Podcast, where the popcorn is our ammunition, the couch is our foxhole, and the cinema is our place of worship. Now let me see your war face! Hey everybody! Hey. Hello. Uh, I'd like to I'd like to start out immediately by issuing a correction on myself from okay. the last episode. Are yeah. You gonna dunk on yourself? Ooh. Yeah. Dunk on him. Dunk. On him. What happened? I referred to Wong Kar Wai as Hong Kar Wai. Did you? Yeah. I don't think I heard that. Yeah, I did. I Hong did. Kar Wai. I think we. What did... is wrong with you? No, it's fucked you up. You probably just got caught up in your vowels, but bad on you, my dude. Yeah. Well, also, we've been talking about Hong Chao a lot, so, like, I don't know. None, none of it was good. You're not helping your case, Zach. No, I'm not trying to. <laughs> I'm going to make things worse for every, myself. Everything was bad. I, wow. I regret it. I listened to it, and I cringe. Wow. As wow. opposed to most of the things you're, on you're this podcast, our, which I 100% stand by. You're, you're referring to our three-hour extravaganza that we just yes, that we just I popped off. Am, yeah. Wow. We did pop off. We popped did. Off all over I, the am, I am pop proud of Pop off us. the vodka. What? You guys never drink that? Pop off? Oh, oh, is that oh. that stuff that comes I'm in like... Right. Was I the only uh, teenage alcoholic in here? Uh, well, no. Well, no. Um, no. But... <laughs> Did that? Did that come in like a plastic yep. bottle? Oh, yep. I had some Wait. of that my freshman year of college. And it's the most disgusting thing I've ever tried. Do you Any remember? plastic bottle of vodka is Not just good. horrendous. <laughs> horrendous. Do you remember your first Buzzball? experience oh yeah no, i actually don't think i've ever wait no that's probably oh, yeah. a lie that's I've probably had a lie. one with you yeah i had some this break it was a tequila like margarita thing with the green one. Oh, that was so disgusting yeah so you have, have <laughs> oh that's disgusting I, no i buy those for my friends like every yeah. single time i'm back in eugene as a prank because they are disgusting they are horrible. i remember when i bought her a buzz ball she was drinking it and i remember i walked into the room and i looked at her and i said alexis what is going on I'm Alexis. And I'm Mick. And I'm Zach. And now we're already in our famous segment, What's Going On? It's our famous segment that everyone knows. Everyone knows. Everyone's talking about it. Twitter is uh, on fire with what's going on. Twitter is a flutter with what's going on. It's a flutter. Yeah. (laughs) It's a flutter nutter. So... I've got some some film news going on. Great. I would love to hear it. Uh, So... The trailer for Ari Aster's new film, Bo is Afraid, mm-hmm. is, uh, it just came out today, and I am very excited. It's, uh, his movie with Joaquin Phoenix, it looks incredibly trippy. And uh, Nathan Lane, which I didn't know about. Yeah. I Nathan know. Lane is in this movie? Nathan He's Lane is in, in Ari Aster's new movie. You haven't seen the trailer that yet. No. That Wait, yet? no? Yeah, yes? Yeah. Maybe? I don't know. It came out this morning. Oh, it came out this morning? Then no, I've not seen it. It, it's pretty, it looks interesting. As I told Zach, it reminds me of a Charlie Kaufman film. It gives me Charlie Kaufman vibes. It's very strange. Yeah. Uh, that's the same guy who did uh, Eternal Sunshine. Did Charlie Kaufman write Eternal Sunshine? He did, he right? Wrote, I, I don't know if he directed it, but he wrote it. I don't, oh yeah, I guess he has directed movies he in years since. He did Being John Malkovich. Yeah, he wrote, he wrote Being John Malkovich. Things. He wrote uh, Adaptation. Haven't seen that one yet. Ooh, good movie. Two, two Nicolas Cage performances. I have not seen... Let me see here. I, have I seen Adaptation? It's the one where Nicolas Cage plays twins. Nope. 
I have not seen that one, but I have seen Matchstick Men a few times. That's also that's an underrated movie. It I is haven't an underrated seen that. Movie. Yet. I need I to rewatch. Yeah, that's Matchstick Ridley Man? Scott, I think. Is Wait, it? what? Yeah, that's a Ridley Scott movie that Kaufman wrote. Uh, no, it's with Nicolas Cage. Oh, so it's yeah. yeah oh, we, I, we, we, we went off on a tangent. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get distracted easily here. But cool. yeah, I'm very excited for Bo is Afraid. Me too. That's up there uh, as my most in- one of my most anticipated movies of 2023. The uh, other little bit of film news that I wanted to talk about is uh, there's been some news from the set of Francis Ford Coppola's new movie, Megalopolis. Oh yeah, mm. tell me. Give me the deets. Uh, Francis like Ford Coppola's Megalopolis has descended into chaos, according to multiple sources. Okay. The movie, currently halfway through shooting has in the last week lost key creative talent on top of losing the entire visual effects team in December. Oh, no. These which... are the conditions under which Francis yeah. dies. As soon as Zach told me that, I was like, oh, so then it's going to be another masterpiece. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like, if we think about the conditions uh, on the Apocalypse Now set, yeah, Francis Ford Coppola was basically going insane having a heart attack and carrying around a loaded gun. Yeah. Uh, what? Yeah. yeah. He, he was strapped for the <laughs> second half of that movie, I think, to either kill himself or kill somebody else. Probably. I, I think he could. It depended on the situation. It was probably Dennis Hopper who was, like, hopped up on acid for a lot of that And shoot. cocaine. He was ripped out of his mind on cocaine. Yeah. You watch his performance and you can tell. Yep. It's part of why I love it so much. Men are so strange. Yeah, I continue to just be... Not surprised, obviously not surprised that men are strange, but just in awe, I guess, of the lengths y'all go to. <laughs> she, she, you reminded me of George Carlin just now. You have to stand in awe, in awe of the bullshit. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that makes me excited to see it. Great. Yeah. What's it called? Uh, Megalopolis. Megalopolis. With Audrey Plaza. Audrey Plaza, Aubrey yeah. Pla- oh, see? Fuck. I, every time, I always, I go between Audrey and Aubrey because I've also Wait, dated, I've dated an Audrey? I don't know. <laughs> I get That's so worse than you don't remember. That one's Wait, worse. Is it Audrey because or I Aubrey can't, Plaza? It's because I love Aubrey Plaza and I always get the two of them confused. <laughs> like it's the girl that I love that's on TV and then it's the girl that I actually dated. <laughs> Well, I hope she's listening. I hope she's not. I actually really liked her. She was so nice. Uh, well, Audrey, if you are listening, we miss you. Well, one of us. And if your, na- if your name is actually Aubrey, I'm sorry. I don't remember. Brutal. Wow. <laughs> you know, I love how honest we are. On I know. This, this, is, this is a strong start. <laughs> okay, wait. I... Are, are you done with your Megalopolis story? Yeah, that was just a little tidbit okay. that uh, things are descending into chaos on the new Coppola movie, which means um, it's probably going to be a fucking banger. I can't wait. This uh, One of my friends came and visited me this weekend, and we went out to like a, a music... Well, I went out to a music show the, the night before, and then when she got there, we went out to a music show like that day, and then we went to the fucking Academy Museum, and we saw Valley of the Dolls at the Academy Museum's theater. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, it was, it was fun, um, but... So, like, while we were just, like, at home drinking, like, White Claws or whatever, mm-hmm. um, I was like, do you want to watch Fleabag? Because she's never seen it before. And Ooh. then, like, the next day, we were, like, driving around, and I was, like, talking to her. And I just started saying something. She was like, that literally just sounds like something Fleabag would say. And it was because I said, isn't it just so strange that people just, like, they just die? 
and then and then they're just gone forever and then that person's just they'll just always be that person who posted you can be my baby mama if you try hard enough on your Facebook wall and that's it <laughs> how you doing Alexis <laughs> wow <laughs> I that might have been one of my favorite dead air moments it added to the allure of it if anything that was cinematic in and of itself. Oh, boy. Yeah, we'd, we'd been talking about somebody, like, that I used to know, like, before. And then, like, I was thinking about how they had posted that on my wall, like, when I was, like, pretty... I was pretty young. It was probably inappropriate that they posted that on my wall. But, uh, yeah, now that's just always the thing that I think of when I think of that person. Of this dead person. Is, like, if you play your cards right, you can be my baby mama someday. Oh, boy. Gee, and, you know, is... and you know, at the age of 16, I really thought... That was, I didn't think that that was like the worst thing. I thought it was a little charming. <laughs> and I don't know what's wrong, what was wrong with me then. Oh boy. Well, try to live mixed, a life Mixed where horrified that's... face, I think, just says everything. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to do with that. It just makes me glad I censor myself a little bit more on my social media because, yeah, I, I don't. That would be really unfortunate if you like posted something that you thought was like really funny and then you just die immediately and that's the last thing that you ever posted well i mean like this is definitely like over 10 years ago but that is the thing that i remember the most um that they yeah. ever the two I things mean, two things i thing remember <laughs> two things i remember them posting what? on my wall one was a fucking song and then the other was that fucking that fucking line and uh well you know, you know I'm, I'm <laughs> i'll take it with me forever apparently <laughs> i'm glad you're talking about death because uh, I've, I've told you this before. I may have told you this. Zach, I'm the queen of segues. You are the queen of segues. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I've, You're I have the blurred of this podcast. I want to share with our audience <laughs> that I, I try to take good care of my hygiene. And uh-huh. it, ever since I was a kid, it's been because I've always wanted to, like, if I end up dying, like in a car accident, I want the, <laughs> I want the person doing the autopsy to kind of look at me and go, wow. You know what? Not a lot of work I have to do. <laughs> you know what? They have clean fingernails. Oh, I like yeah, that. Yeah, they would not like me. They'd definitely have to get under my fingernails. All right. Fingernails are pretty <laughs> to dig out today. the dead skin in there, and they have to figure out whose skin is this. <laughs> LOL. Oh, boy. Um, well, this so, is a great what's going on. So, yeah, so back yeah. to film Segment news. Right here. <laughs> Um, it was film news. I went and saw Valley with the Dolls with my friend, and yeah, then okay. and then we went and got White Claws, and then had that conversation. There we go. Okay. Yeah. that's right. Also, they'd never seen Valley of the Dolls before, so I've it was never a very. Seen Valley of the it's Dolls a, before. it's it's interesting. It's so funny because it's like when they were introducing the movie, they're they're doing this like section at the Academy Museum where um, they're talking about John Williams. Um, they're doing John Williams scores and stuff okay. like things that he was like nominated for, I guess. And he was this was like the first thing he was ever nominated for was Valley of the Dolls. Wow, um, I did not know that. 1967. Yeah, and uh, so I don't know. It was actually a kind of interesting story. They were talking about how uh, the the person who was at the podium before the movie started was talking about how they got johnny williams <laughs> under a contract because they were saying like oh man this this guy's so good like we got to get him under a contract for at least like two years so that we can get him like you know making a couple more movies for us and then lo and behold like he's been not he's like fucking done like 51 he's done so fuck so much fucking stuff you know yeah i i think the new indiana jones is supposed to be his last score yeah, he's retiring. Wow. That's why they're doing this like segment on John Williams. Right. He's gonna be ninety one, I think. 
motherfuckers. Wow. Good God. This man is old as fuck. <laughs> Sorry, John well, Williams. You, John Williams. <laughs> I love get, you. Get your hot takes here. Alexis with the hot takes. Fuck. John Williams hey, is old guys, as shit. I mean, like, with all the shit that's in our food and our water, you know, I, I'm always pleasantly surprised when someone makes it to 91. I'm like, you're living a nice long John life. John Williams has avoided the microplastics. <laughs> Congratulations. Well. Um, the one film thing that I wanted to talk about is that Mick and I went to go see Megan. Oh, yeah. Oh, how was that? Megan. How I was ha- that? I had a very fun time. I had an okay time. It's okay. not an incredible movie by any means, but it hit the fucking spot. Okay. Uh, I feel yeah, I... similarly about Megan that Mick said he did about Nope, uh-huh. where I think the beginning's kind of weak and the ending's kind of weak. But the middle is very strong. Yeah. For for it was definitely entertaining. See, I was expecting a horror film, and it is. But it's a it's horror, a horror <laughs> comedy. It's a horror like comedy strongly. for sure. It's okay. a very it's interesting. A, it's a self aware horror comedy, which is why I can see it's really popular with audiences. Because yeah. it's 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 simple fun. Yeah. Um. It just it had a weak leading character and performance who played. Mm-hmm. See, I thought I thought Elson Williams was okay. I do think the characters underwritten. The best part was Megan. For yeah, sure. she's a queen. Played by two different Megan young actresses. Megan is a queen. <laughs> yeah. One doing movement, one doing voice, which is pretty Interesting. cool. Interesting. Writer Akela Williams. Yeah. But ask, I, ask the question, what if there was a killer doll that slayed? <laughs> that's right. And that's a great premise. It is. Yeah. I, as I said, this movie, this movie says unplug from your devices before they unplug you. I'm sorry. I my friend Maddie like does not like horror movies, mm. but like I might have to recommend this to her if I can use that line. I know. I think she would like it. I yeah, I think it's would. a good horror movie for people who don't like horror. Because okay. it's, it's PG-13, it's not. Yeah, it's, although they do get away with a good amount for a PG-13 movie. There's some fun cringe moments yeah. in it, for sure. Um, but yeah, I think that it's it's a very fun time at the movies, and yeah. I'm, I'm glad to see it doing well. Yeah, I could tell that Zach really liked it, because when we were getting seats, uh, the one that you were trying to get was going to be right next to me, but you didn't get it in time. It sold literally well. I was clicking so on the So we seat. had to sit separately in the theater, and as the movie's going on, I'm enjoying it, the audience is enjoying it, but... Yeah. You can hear Zach laughing louder than any other person. You can always hear. You can Zach. always like even in an auditorium <laughs> full of people. I know exactly where he is. It's an iconic laugh. It, it is. It's, it's, it's booming. I'm really glad that I don't actually laugh the way that like I really laugh in theaters because God, I think I'd be kicked out. It's just like a harsh oh, cackle, yeah. you know. I when when I was when I was in high school, my friends would always talk about how if I got high enough, uh, I would cackle like a witch. Yeah. Uh, which I don't think either of you have really heard me do. Yeah. No. But it may happen. Thankfully, someday. Yeah. I have not seen you high enough. Yeah. And I've been I'm very comfortable with you guys. I've been cackling more and more as time goes on. So. Yes. <laughs> Your witch-like aura yes, has you become really more. It really it's you know it's it's passed down my matriarchal lineage. I always love it when when we're hanging out like at your yeah. apartment or here, and yeah. I'm in the other room, and it's dark, and you're just cackling because you're reading something on your phone. Yeah. And then you say, Mick. Does it like freak you out that it's all dark and all you hear is this sinister cackling coming from the other room? I've only said that once. Okay, you said it twice. You said it twice. You said it twice, and each time I'm like, "Yep, I'm terrified. (laughs) This place is haunted." Hey man, Uh, 
Um, I, I'll the be devil honest. Is here. Sometimes I even get a little scared in my like little apartment. <laughs> <laughs> I'll level with you. I freak myself out. Trust no one. Not Dude, even wait. Yourself. No, the power shut off last night. Actually, oh, at shit. my place for like two hours. Like it was like only like seven, but of course it's already dark outside. So like all of a sudden. All the lights went off, and I was in the middle of trying on clothes. So <laughs> I was like, all right, well, I guess I got to get back into my sweatpants. And I literally, I don't have any candles. Oh, no. I realized, like, as soon as that happened that I am ill-prepared for basically anything that could happen to me. At any time. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> that was my thought. Alexis revealing her weaknesses on the podcast. Yep. This is I'm something, doomed. This <laughs> yeah. is something that Edwin has told me multiple times is, Zach, stop revealing your weaknesses on the podcast. Oh, no, Zach, please keep doing it. We love it. Well, you Body already know fun. them. It doesn't help you. I just like to hear it again. Okay. So um, uh, something I want to talk about is uh, Alexis and I saw Broker. We did. Oh, hardly know her. In, in theaters. <laughs> and it was fantastic. I have to say that if I had seen it prior to our episode of everything we loved in about the last year, it would definitely have cracked my top 10. I don't know exactly yeah, where, definitely. but it belongs in the top 10. I really wish I had caught it sooner. But folks, please, please, please watch Broker. It's such a great I road trip film about parenting and family. Really, really, really want to see um, that guy's first movie, which was Shoplifters. I've been meaning Ooh, to see yeah, it for see like that. since it came out like a few years ago, um, and I just haven't. But I've, I've heard that it's better than even Broker, which I'm like, really? oh, that's crazy. Wow. Because um, I really liked Broker. <clears throat> I love Does that so mean that Broker is his second film? I don't know if it's his second. I'm not sure. Okay. I can't. I can't really like speak to that. But it was written, directed, and edited by the same guy. Wow, so, much like the film we're talking about today. That's correct. Oh, cool. Written, directed, yeah. and edited by the same person. Oh, cool. Uh, I, I love film. Song Kang-ho so much, no. uh, the leading actor of that movie. So I'm, I'm definitely... I know. I love him. I'm definitely going to check out Broker. Yeah. So um, good. I'm trying to think here. Uh, oh, yeah. I finished RRR. Hell yeah. Uh, that and shit was mad fun. Oh, my God. It's a blast. Yeah. I just found out that they just played it at the IMAX at the... TCL no. Chinese Theater, and people who worked on the movie were actually there to do a Q&A. No! What? Yeah. Oh. We fucked up. I think this was like yesterday or the day before. We're recording this up, episode man. on the 10th, but yeah. God damn it. That would have been I fun. I am cry. Uh, the other movie that Mick and I watched together was the 1988 remake of The Blob. Oh yeah, that was Directed fun. by Chuck That was a Russell. lot of fun. Yeah, super fun movie. We were amazed we hadn't seen it yet, because that's exactly the kind of movie we love. Yeah, hmm. incredibly gross makeup effects. Great practical effects. Really fun, campy acting. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to shout out Chuck Russell as a guy who's made three movies that I really enjoy. And a fantastic name. Yeah. Chuck Russell. Chuck, Chuck Russell. Russell. Get ready for the sexiest porno you've ever seen. This starring... Chuck Russell and George Lucas. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> but no, Chuck Russell also made uh, The Mask, which is one of my favorite Jim Carrey movies of the 90s. And he made uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors, which is... Uh, I have yet to really dip into the Nightmare on Elm Street movies that are considered widely to be bad. Um, so... I, I really, really enjoyed Dream Warriors. I think it's the best Nightmare on Elm Street sequel. Oh, wait a minute. I, I just remember the reason we watched 
the blog. Oh yeah, so we gotta we, talk about this. We I watched the Pale Blue Eye finally, the Scott Cooper film, which was unfortunately pretty pretty meh. Uh, but it had a cold mystery to it. So we, okay. were, so Zach and I, we were like, let's watch another suspenseful mystery. Let's uh-huh. watch an Alfred Hitchcock film that we hadn't seen yet. Okay. And so we go on to, what was it, Tubi? Yeah, Tubi. And we're scrolling through the movies, and we accidentally land on Blade first. <laughs> so we end up watching the first yeah, the, 20 Tubi, minutes. Tubi auto-plays movies. Yeah, so it starts auto-playing Blade. When and both um, of us are out of the room, and we're like, what is that? So we come in, it's Blade. We watch the first 20 minutes. We're like, we have to turn this off. Otherwise, we're just going to watch Wesley the whole Snipes, movie. right? Yeah. yeah. Love that. Love him. And yeah, some motherfuckers cool are always trying to ice skate uphill. And then right. <laughs> we begin scrolling and what was the other one? That... Uh, we almost watched Wild Wild West. That's what it was. <laughs> you were like, I kind of want to watch this. I was like, Zach, no, it's Is so that bad. The Seth? No, Will Smith. Will Smith. Will Smith. Oh it's, yeah. It was the first okay. big instead of the bomb. Matrix. Okay, I do. Yeah. yeah, I don't think I ever necessarily saw that, I've never but seen I do it. remember the song because we danced to it at my Catholic school during something. <laughs> I don't remember what was it. Wow. I think like wow. I think it was like you know. Like you, on Halloween, we would do like this like little parade of like all of our costumes each class, and I think they so the also wild, did. Wild Wild West song. No, not not necessarily, wild, but, wild but I think we all stayed out there. Catholic like maybe it was so weird. during recess. I don't even know, but I distinctly remember trying to do like the song and the dance because there's like a dance that goes to that song. Is there I video think? of this? Absolutely not. And Damn thank it. God. Good oh God. That was not a good time for Alexis. Oh, that wasn't a good time for anyone. No, not uh, really. But yeah, so we we, oh, we somehow managed to not watch Wild Wild West, but we were very tempted. Somehow managed. Yeah. We, we, we were very tempted. We and resisted. We yeah. put on, what was it that we put Notorious. on? Notorious. We put on Notorious, and it was okay. notoriously boring. So we turned it off after maybe 20 minutes. And, and then we, we were like scrolling through, and yeah. we're like, oh, you know what? There's just got to be another mystery to watch. And then I land on the blob. Yep. And I'm like... We both knew. We have that We thing. know what kind of guys yeah. we actually Zach are. Zach and I have this thing when we're, when we're going through streaming where we just kind of look at each other when we know, like, oh, no, this is it. You don't pick a movie. The, pick, the movie picks you. Yeah. I like giving you guys time to be together alone because none of that interests me. <laughs> yeah, no. It was fantastic. It was a great time. I loved it. Um, <laughs> Good movie. I, I did also finish Decision to Leave, uh, and I, I quite liked it, actually. Nice. Um, but, you know, I discussed this with Mick, is that I am so used to Park Chan-wook being kind of fucking out there and weird and this was actually a little bit less like that this time it was a little bit more pensive a little bit slower and uh, i really enjoyed that so nice. it was yeah. a nice this a nice turn decision to leave to park john wook i think is jackie brown to quentin tarantino okay it's kind of his more easygoing easier to digest for audiences type film nice yeah yeah well uh, one more thing I'll say just really quickly. I'll shoot a quick blurb out. I finally watched The Killing by uh, Stanley Kubrick. I've been meaning to watch that for so long. Mm-hmm. We've talked about how we all love heist films. Yeah. This is Stanley Kubrick's heist movie. Yeah. And it's everything you would want. It's absolutely fantastic. And there are three specific instances from a 1956 black and white movie where I verbally exclaimed, holy shit. Because what happens on screen is just so shocking. Yeah. So, if anyone's interested in a good film noir heist film, check out The Killing from Stanley Kubrick. It's the lesser-known gem from him. Nice. Mm. All right. Well, I think we should get out of what's going on. Sounds good. Let's do it. Bye-bye.
Peace out. So, and we're back. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Oh. How you doing? What's up? What's up? Let's do 20 minutes of that. No. <laughs> so For the, the big, love of Jesus. The big topic that I wanted to talk about today is under-discussed or underrated 2022 performances. Because, um, you know, I thought about doing just like best of the year, but then I feel like we'd end up talking about a lot of performances that we've already talked about. Kate Blanchett and Tar, uh, you know, Colin Farrell, Banshees of Inisherin. Uh and I'd like to get into some performances that I feel like are deserving of praise, but maybe aren't being talked about as much. Mm, okay. I like it. I like it. I like it a lot. And one that I'd like to start with is Jake Gyllenhaal and Ambulance. Yeah, let's go. Uh, I Alexis, I told you. I, I told think, you this is going to happen. I think that uh, <laughs> a good Michael Bay movie has a protagonist that can match the sort of crazy, wild, maximalist energy of Michael Bay without feeling like he's above it or commenting on it in some way. I think, you know, Nick Cage in The Rock is a great Michael Bay protagonist. And I think that Jake Gyllenhaal brings that same coked out, incredibly committed energy to Ambulance. And I think he is a large part of why that movie really works for me. So shout out to you, Mr. Gyllenhaal. Great job. Okay. Well, I will say that I will say that of everything that happened in that movie, which is to say not much. A ton. A ton of great stuff. So much things happened, but none that I cared about. <laughs> yeah. Um of all of those things, Jake Gyllenhaal was the most interesting. Hell so yeah. I'll give you that. Out of all of the performances, it certainly was one of them. Yeah, and it's a fucking good one. You're right. I'll give, You're I'll right give, that I'll give it's you a that. good one. I heard you say it's a good one, and I agree with you. Great. Wow. Well, there you go. That's Zach's answer. Oh, I it's will... one of my. I mean, I've got more to talk about, but I wanted to shout out Mr. Gyllenhaal because, you know, it's not a performance that's going to be winning awards, yeah. but I think it's a performance that deserves some praise. Uh, you know... Boy, this is a tough one for me because we have talked about it on the podcast, and I know people have discussed it, but I will just give him a quick shout out. Brandon Padilla from Nope. Yeah. Yeah, he's so great. great. That's a great performance. Yeah. And that's not going to win any awards, but it. He's it, real. He's absolutely, he made the character real. He's so real. And yeah. it's, that's a character that I really think would have, that could have been kind of just boring or dull. But man, he. I, every moment he's on screen in Nope is a good moment. He's really, 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 really good. I'm glad you brought him up because I feel like almost all of the like main cast performances in Nope mm-hmm. are getting you know some sort of attention, even if it's not awards attention. Like yeah. I feel like Kiki Palmer, Daniel Kaluuya, Stephen Yun have all been discussed, and right. they are all very good. But yeah, Brandon Perea is fucking great. He is really, really good. And when we when, when we were bleh, excuse me when we were making the movie, he actually was on the camera truck changing film canisters in the magazine of the camera just to practice because wow. he knew he had to do it for the scene later. So I remember looking at that and going, that's cool. That's cool that, you know, he, he's, he's trying to go the extra step of really trying to immerse himself in this character. Um, yeah, I, I love it. I love it when he's, when he's talking about how, you know, he's getting over a breakup and like, you know, he, 
like his ex girlfriend was a model, or yeah, it was on the CW. Fucking CW, man. Yeah. I was like, this does not need to be in the movie, but thank God it is. It's so funny. I love I love moments that don't have any business being in the movie they're in, but it would detract from the film if they weren't there. And Brandon is a great example of that. He did a great job. Sweet. Yeah, that's a good pick, Alexis. I've got like yeah, I've got like a couple, I guess. Um, what should we call it? The Daniel Radcliffe in The Lost City. Oh, I was gonna Not, say Daniel Radcliffe in Weird. I haven't seen it. <laughs> He's so, really good in that too. Yeah, I just, I just, I don't know. You know, it's so weird seeing him go from like all the fucking Harry Potter franchise movies to like becoming like an actor. Fucking the horse thing, you know that the the play Equus. that yes Equus, you know, like you know, it's just you know we've, we've you know the horse <laughs> thing, Nick. Come on. Don't act like you I, don't know the horse I'm thing. all too aware we, of the horse we thing. We all know the horse thing. Yeah, we all know the horse thing. <laughs> we the film ages. We all know the horse oh, thing. Oh, let me tell you, buddy. I know that horse thing. Hot takes from Alexis. <laughs> Sorry, get your horse thing. Please continue. Speaking, okay, wait. Super quick side note. Ah, <laughs> how quick is it going to be? Speaking of horse heads, when I was at the Academy, they have a section that's on the Godfather, and they have the um, the prop horse head that was uh, used for rehearsals of the horse head scene in The Godfather because they used a real horse head. Yes, they did. For the actual scene. Yes, they Whoa. did. And they did not tell the actor, apparently. <clears throat> no, no, they did not. <laughs> yeah. uh, they got right. it. They did not kill a horse, uh, just in case anybody was uh, worried, but um, they did get it from a local slaughterhouse. So wow. so they didn't kill the horse. Someone, Someone killed else the killed the horse. Someone else killed the and horse, then they for just sure. Bought. And yeah. then they bought that head... No questions asked, I'm sure. <laughs> that would have been a fun phone call to make. Hey, hey can, don't I have a, can I have a horse head for personal reasons? Yeah, Go how much of a horse do you need? You just need the head. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Does it, don't need the whole thing, just the head. I can give it to you, but don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Um, <laughs> that was good. Fuck yeah. Hey. Oh, that gave me chills. Hey, come on. <laughs> it's electric feet over here with a gabagool. I'm done with y'all. <laughs> <laughs> you were saying about Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, Daniel, yeah, Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe. I just I just feel like we're not appreciating how uh fucking humorous he is. And like I think it's actually it's I think it is sometimes harder to actually be funny than it is to be like a serious dramatic actor sometimes. You Absolutely. Know? Comedic actors who have done drama have said that. That yeah, comedy is a lot harder to do. I yeah, you know what I would consider the best supporting actor performance of the year. I think is a comedic performance. Okay, Justin Long. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. absolutely owns and that I, movie. I still love that he just didn't understand what was going on with the tape measure, but just <laughs> yeah. like committed to the bit it. and yeah. just did it. I love it. You gotta commit to the bit. Yeah, you gotta commit to the bit. And every even time. Christopher Nolan has said that. Something that he finds terrifying as a director is trying a comedy. I would. He said love... that I would never attempt a comedy because I know I would do such a horrible job. I no. want to see him try. Mm-hmm. I want to see him try so bad. If he does, make sure he has a writing partner. No. Yeah. Uh, my second one would be Sophie Turner from Do Revenge. Okay. Because I'm telling you, she's on the screen for less than two minutes of this entire movie, and. She is all that I think about sometimes. It's just, she stole, like, whatever scene she was in, she fucking stole the whole movie just with that fucking, her freak out. And then uh, Bullet Train, the guy who plays uh, Lemon, opposite of uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Oh. It's Brian Tyree Henry. Oh, yeah, Brian Tyree He's great. He is incredible. I just 
love him in Bullet Train. I think that just whatever bit that is going on in that movie, he's just so fully committed to it. He is in love with Thomas the Train. <laughs> okay, so sorry. I got to pause this. You've talked to me for so long about Bullet Train. Yeah. Every time I'm like, I don't think I'm into it. Until just now, yeah. where you said that there's a character who's into Thomas the Train. He thinks that you can... Mixed like he you just can like basically, me, for real. Yeah, no, yeah, for yeah, real. No, literally. There's someone he, else like he me. He has these like stickers, and like he can tell you what kind of person you are based on like what, what? character you are from Thomas the Train Engine, or whatever it was Thomas called. Thomas the Tank Engine. Okay. Excuse you. My bad. Come I'm on. sorry. I didn't Come watch on. it. I didn't watch it. Okay. That was a that was a boy thing that I wasn't interested in. Boy Sweat Alexis was not into the boy toys. The boy trains. I, I was say. not into the boy trains. I was even even then, Mick, I knew we were going to disagree on this. Not the boy trains, <laughs> not the toy trains. Not the boy trains, not the toy trains. None of the trains. <laughs> um There's one other performance I'd like to shout out. What is it? Because I have one more too. Uh, I want to shout out Aubrey Plaza and Emily the Criminal. Oh, uh, which I, I worked on, that. and I think she does a phenomenal job in that movie. I mean, it's pretty much more or less a you know single hander, completely on her shoulders. The- Theo Rossi has a large part, but she is the focus of the entire movie. I don't think there is a scene without her. Yeah, and she really just inhabits that character brings a level of kind of sincere desperation that I haven't really seen from her before. Hmm. And yeah, I, I think she does a wonderful job in that movie. She's she's getting some awards attention, so I don't know if it totally applies. But, you know, it not a ton of people saw that movie. I think it's it's done better on Netflix than it did in theaters. So yeah. Great job, Aubrey. Also very cool to work with. That's I awesome. love that. That's really I, cool. He just keeps seeing my my algorithm on TikTok must really know how into her I am. But he keeps showing me just like video excerpts of like different interviews that she's had. And like one of them was on Hot Ones. And it was like her talking about, you know, being a server. And she's like, yeah, you know, it's like you go to each table and it's like it's like a new opportunity for a new performance. You can just say whatever. You know, <laughs> I love that her through line is just I lie to people all the time I and li- don't care. Yeah, I just watched a, sim- a similar interview with her where she talked about being a page in the NBC offices. Mm. And yes, they were like, giving the yeah, tours. She would give tours and just you would give tours and just like make stuff up and she was like i love to lie and now i get paid for it yeah isn't that great that's iconic yeah oh no she is exactly the person who you would like her to be yeah yeah great cool last person i'll shout out we talked about it before but i gotta do it again kristen stewart in crimes of the future Fuck now that yes. alexis has finally seen oh yeah it. i did finally watch that surgery is the new sex oh, isn't God. it <laughs> the way she just goes down the way she squats down and just starts to whisper I don't know if the mic is picking that up at all. I, I, I can hear it barely. Is I didn't know here? what I needed from 2022 was Kristen Stewart ASMR, but it's what I it's what I got, and uh, I'm satisfied. Yeah, I heard <laughs> sticking the tube into Viggo Mortensen. Dude, dude. I told Alexis. The woman I was is like, having an orgasm. Do you remember? Do you remember when she when she's like opening his mouth and like putting her fingers in there? Yeah. I, I told Alexis like that's exactly what I would do if I met Viggo Mortensen as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Said that. Jesus Christ! Uh, I can't blame her. Yeah, her also her delivery of uh, there. Someone is asking her about Viggo Mortensen's performance art where he has you know organs yeah. removed, and yeah. she's like, some people find it. Very potent. 
some people have a very potent response to it. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of disappointed. Visibly horny. I was kind of disappointed where, like, the movie, I just felt like it just ended. I didn't really feel yeah. like it ended with something. I just felt like it ended. But I continue to be honestly worried. I continue to be worried by my reactions to Cronenberg movies. <laughs> I will not allow. I will not be elaborate. Expand, Alexis. Um, Well, that's actually kind of a good transition point. Yeah, I think because call me Paul Blart. (laughs) Oh my god, I hate that so much. She's the Blart of the podcast. Peanut Blart and Jelly. What? 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 People ask me, so who's the Kevin James of your group? (laughs) Wait, Alexis, hands down. Okay, 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 okay. Of the Happy Madison crew on this podcast, who's who? Like, who's Rob Schneider? Who's Adam Sandler? What are we doing? Uh, I'd like to think of myself as the Sandler of this podcast. Uh, <laughs> I got nothing. I'm sorry. I, I'm not I a usually, big Sandler I'm, group I'm fan. I'm not a... I've never... I don't think I've even seen Happy Madison all the way through. I've never well, seen No, it. Happy Madison's the production company. I've never oh, seen it. Oh, you just mean like the main crew? Yeah, of like Adam Sandler's crew. Like of grown-ups, know? right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, I want to find out who's the Chris Rock of our group. <laughs> I don't think anybody. That's I mean, fair. maybe you in the sense that I'm going to slap you in a second. but um, So then you're the Will Smith of the group. <laughs> Not part of the Happy Madison crew. Uh, um, wait, li- who's, who's the Happy Madison crew? Let's them off again. Uh, Kevin James, like, James yeah. Spade. Uh, uh, David Spade, oh, David Rob Spade. Schneider. James Spader, that's what I was thinking of. He's different not, guy. He's also not part of the which crew. Which takes us back to Cronenberg, which we, we should get out of this. No, uh, no, 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 wait. I want to be Rob Schneider. <laughs> it's too late. You're Kevin James. Wait, wait, I feel something. You're on the Segway. I'm sorry, that's Okay, you. but that, this is the Happy Madison crew. Is Kevin James even a Happy Madison? Yes, absolutely. Is. Okay, okay, whatever. Yeah. Paul whatever. Blart, Blart Malkoff is a Happy Madison Whatever, movie. I'll be Kevin James. <laughs> I want to be Rob Schneider. But if I must be Blart, then Blart I shall be. Um, but yeah, we were talking about Cronenberg. Yeah. And Cronenberg movies, you know, f- focus largely on the experience of, you know. Well said. Dysphoria within your body uh, and, you know, becoming something else. And this movie that we're talking about today, I feel like, is very of a piece with something like Videodrome. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what we are talking about today is Jane Schoenbrunn's directorial debut, We're All Going to the World's Fair. Uh, How do you say their last name? Schoenbrunn. Schoenbrunn. I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to get that right. So... We're bringing we, we talked about underrated performances today because I think that Anna Cobb, the leading actress of this yeah. movie, gives maybe it might be my favorite performance of the entire year. It's right up there. That's she is fair. Absolutely it's magnetic really in this movie, and the movie rests almost solely on her shoulders. I would argue it absolutely rests solely on her yeah. shoulders. Yeah. Th- there's one other like speaking part yeah. named character in the film. Uh, and I find yeah. it incredibly impressive because she's a super young actress and I think she just... And this is her first movie. Yeah, yeah. Which it is, is her first really feature impressive. film role. Yeah, and she, she just absolutely inhabits the loneliness and longing and discomfort and awkwardness of Casey, this teenage character. And I just, I could not look away from her. Her performance seemed incredibly brave to me. 
I, where she does not have, does not at all feel like a first time film performer. She was utterly captivating. I told Zach, because we watched this together, this movie, and I would say it's pretty much all thanks to Anna Cobb that I did not blink very much watching this movie because I was just staring at the screen and watching her eyes. Like you feel like you're making eye contact with her. You look <laughs> like you're looking into a reflection. Um, absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. So I'd really quick like to read the synopsis of this film. Cool. Oh yes, please. Which do. is uh, reality and fantasy begin to blur when an isolated teenager immerses herself in an online role-playing horror game. That's it. That's all that is there in the. That I say that's a good synopsis. Yeah, I think it. it I think it describes the movie pretty well. Um, Alexis, you also hadn't seen this movie before, right? Nope. What were your feelings? Uh, I had a hard time paying attention. A little bit. I did find some things interesting, but um, I think it's a. It is not necessarily in my vein of things. It is. I I can understand that. Yeah. It's definitely slow-moving, not a lot explicitly happens on screen. Yeah. Uh, I find this movie incredibly troubling. Mm. I find it very, very unsettling. Um, And later on in the episode, I want to talk about uh, a trans reading of this film because uh, Jane Schoenbrunn came out as genderqueer during the making of this film and has mm-hmm. talked about how this movie is largely about the trans experience. Yeah. Uh, and I've, I've read some writing on this uh, from trans people who watched the film. Yeah. And I found it very interesting because the way that a lot of trans writers online have responded to it yeah. is completely different than how I read the film. I'm really, really curious. I want yeah. to know that. I... I did some reading as well after the fact from some uh, queer publications and trans publications that have interviewed the director. And uh, I personally found I'm, I'm kind of hit or miss on this. I didn't dislike it, but I didn't like it. Um, I found it overall, I hate to say dull and monotonous, but the, the reading of the movie itself and the director's approach to it and what they were trying to do, I actually find the behind the scenes stuff more interesting than the movie itself. Interesting. I'm glad I did a lot of reading after the fact because it, it definitely has me appreciate the film. I'm glad it exists. I'm really glad that Jane, uh, Schoenbrunn got that courage to, be the artist that they felt themselves they could be and then finally had the courage to do it. Um, as an entertainment piece, though, it doesn't really do it for me. It's it, I think it's a movie that it's setting out to create feeling, but not really to explore ideas. And even Jane in an interview kind of alludes to that, about how I wanted to create a a movie that just captures feeling. I didn't really approach this from an intellectualism perspective. It's more about feeling. And I'm, I'm glad I read that from them because that's kind of how I felt. I was like, I don't know if it's really exploring ideas. It's posing questions, but that's kind of for the audience to decide. It's simply about capturing feeling. I really like that. See, I I, I appreciate it, but it's not, I don't love it. Yeah. for, For me, 
it's a movie that inspires such profound feelings of sadness and dread within me mm. that it it had to be in my top five of the year. Uh, yeah. This was my number five film on my best of the year list. Go back, listen to the episode, why don't you? Take a road trip take, and take listen a, to take it. A, take a three-hour road trip. Which is uh, what our, our email listener did yes. <laughs> last time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I find the ending of this movie so, so unsettling. And my reading of the movie has been more about that it's it's a film about the things that are lurking on the internet and the dangers of grooming, which is not really what Schoenbrunn has talked about their intent being. Mm-hmm. But for reference, in We're All Going to the World's Fair, uh, Casey, our lead character, is playing this online horror role-playing game and is making these videos of herself documenting how she's changing uh, by participating in this game, which is, you know, part of what's supposed to happen to you if you take this challenge. Mm -hmm. Uh, And eventually her videos get noticed by this guy, JLB, who she Skype calls with and talks to about this game, uh, but he never shows her his face. We see his face and we see that he's this kind of strange middle-aged man who lives in this big house seemingly not really in contact with anyone else although there really is a really interesting detail where you see someone in the background of his home which i want to talk about in a minute i didn't notice that yeah um but the relationship between jlb and casey seems so predatory and there's a sequence towards the middle of the movie where JLB, we gather that he has stopped responding to Casey's videos because there's these series of videos Casey is making where she's clearly kind of talking to him through them. Mm -hmm. And we are not cutting to any sort of a response from him. And she's getting more and more frustrated. And it seems like an incredibly manipulative move from him where he's withdrawing his attention from her to make her more dependent on him. Mm-hmm. And when we get to the end of the movie, the final scene is JLB giving this monologue about how he and Casey met a year later and mm-hmm. they hugged and parted ways. Mm-hmm. And we do not see Casey. And So we have to take him at his word. Yeah. What you're saying. yeah. And the place where we leave Casey, she's incredibly distraught furious with JLB for breaking the immersion of the game. And she leaves a Skype call. He can't get a hold of her. And then we see an image of her face with flashing lights from earlier in the film and narration that she gave earlier where she says, someday I'm just going to disappear and you'll never see me again. And the way I read that is either he did something to her or she did something to herself and we are never going to know. Right. And it scared me so fucking bad. Hmm. Uh, it's, I'm, I'm a huge horror hound, and this is the one movie last year that actually, like, really scared me. 
That's fascinating. Because hmm. it the only thing about this movie that unsettled me was Anna Cobb's performance. That, oh, yeah. That, I mean, that's really the only thing that, that genuinely unsettled me. Like when JLB shows plays back the video of what happened when she wakes up at four in the morning and her eyes are just open and she's like kind of clutching the side of her mattress. That was terrifying. But uh, I don't know. I think the movie, it kind of undercuts itself sometimes, I think. Like, you know, because obviously, yeah, it suggests, you know, is JLB this this predatory guy grooming her or is it just someone on the internet that's trying is to he be another paternal? lonely person? Is it another lonely person? Now... That's up to you to, to make that take. I personally, I'm with you, Zach. I, if there's any adult that has interactions with another, with a minor on the internet and they're not being paid as a therapist, I think there's some inherent questions that need to be asked about the dynamic of that. But um, I don't know. It's like, so it's the, 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 the fact that the internet is a dangerous place, right? It's a very dangerous place because thing, things like this can happen. And then she shows that there's an assault rifle that her father owns and then says something like, I'm going to kill myself or... or, or she talks about killing her dad. Killing herself. Right. Kill, killing her dad. That's, that's right. That's what or, it is. Or killing herself. Yeah. And then JLB comments on that. And then she gets upset saying, you're breaking, you know, you're breaking the rules of the game here where you're basically calling it out. Like, that was obviously performance. You know, I'm being performative. I'm not being genuine. So you have that, that genuine... Uh, uh, problem and danger that can come from the internet, which is violence like that. And then it just kind of undercuts it like, oh no, it was just performative. And then at the end, uh, oh my God, they're meeting up. And then according to JLB, it's, oh, they just talked and they went separate ways. And obviously you have to take him at his word. But I, I like for the way you, you talk about how uh, you did not enjoy the whale because seemingly nothing ever happens. That was kind of... It's not of, my only problem with the whale. That was your, one of your problems. Yes, absolutely. And that's kind of my issue with this movie. There are lots of things that are suggested. Um, you know, you get the clips of the other players of the World Fair game, which I think kind of broke the monotony a little bit, but at the same time almost detracted from the Anna Cobb story because they almost seemed inconsequential in the end. Because it's... Like, I, is don't this, yeah, is it I don't agree. Is it performative or not? I don't know. It didn't. It didn't quite yeah. work for me. I didn't. I wouldn't watch the movie again, and it wasn't like I didn't love it. You know, it's just not in my vein of movies. But for me, I don't think that the what she her going back on what she said undercuts what she had said before because who at that age actually is honest when somebody asks how they're doing? No one is. Yeah. When when nobody at that age is really going to like express the vulnerabilities that she might be putting across in this you're, performance. You're saying when Casey is telling JLB, "Oh, what do you t-, like that?" Yeah. Is, that was all before. You're saying that, "Oh, we can't take that at face value." Of course not. Interesting. Yeah, uh, and I I think that the something that gets brought up a lot in the writing about this movie that I agree with is. The World's Fair Challenge is an outlet for Casey to get to tell her own story and express herself in a way that she's not able to in yeah. the real world at all. Like, there's there's nothing going on 
in her actual physical space. There's, yeah. I mean, there's no one physically around her ever. Yeah, we never the, see the friends or characters or anything like that. Yeah, I wondered if she had friends um, in school or whatever, if she was even going to school, if she, maybe she was homeschooled. I don't know, obviously. To me, it seemed like there wasn't a mother in the picture when we saw that video of her mother, presumably, I, I or possibly. I think that's just an ASMR video she's watching. It could be. I mean, I don't even know. Yeah. But uh, it obviously she seemed very lonely. So to me, it seemed like the the fantasy fantasy life was the outlet for her, and to express what she was actually feeling because she talks about feeling numb and i think that she does actually feel numb it's not from the game she just is at an age where she feels numb and i think that the videos that the people show um even though i had a hard time paying attention to the movie like i think that the videos that happen in between are a lot about um uh that age and your your obsession with body perception and um especially just like like that one who was like talking about like stitch and had all this like blue shit on their arms and then started pulling out like these tickets and stuff like there's this like there's like this kind of like body horror thing going Mm -hmm. on and like essentially saying that like my body's changing and i don't know what's going on and i mean like that's just kind of like something real that happens in everybody's life during that age time you know and so i think that especially like that fucking pink video that was like i'm turning to plastic Plastic, it's like i'm not even real it's like the more the more i don't know i just i thought that like the with the pink background and everything it just kind of gave this like barbie plastic uh i'm being perceived as something and therefore i am kind of turning into this thing um i don't know i don't know i Definitely the more that I think about it, the more I have like thoughts on different things. But I, you know, like I said, I wouldn't necessarily watch it again. I'm with, I'm actually really like that read because I Mm -hmm. was kind of looking at this at face value. I tend to do that. I'm I'm like, okay, what is happening? Is this, are people going to start turning? And this is not a very literal film. It's not a literal film. So that's kind of why I felt like seeing the other players to me overall in the grand scheme of things felt inconsequential. And it pulled me out of the Anacob thing. But, or Casey, that's her character, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, uh, it's, it is good, though. And I, I agree with Alexis. I don't think I would watch this again. But I will say that I will definitely check out Jane's next film. I'm so excited. Which apparently this is going to be the first of a trilogy yeah. that they're planning. Uh, the second two are yeah. going to be with A24. Uh, yeah, they're, they're screen trilogy. Okay. I have one other thing to say about the movie was that the scene where she has like the paint that's like fluorescent or like glow in the dark, glow in the dark yeah. paint mm-hmm. um okay before i get into this i do want to have a side note i really love the way that her room is set up because um i think it's like a perfect representation of that age where it's like there might be some new things that are real and about who you are but there's all these other things that come from an age that you no longer are like the glow in the dark stars and stuff they they Mm. probably have been there for years you know and it's like it's so interesting that like at that age your room sometimes becomes this uh representation of things that you no longer are and you're just surrounded by it and surrounded by all this clutter which i i think it was so interesting that they had like this attic area that she was you know living in there's all this clutter around and all these things that kind of don't they're not all concise they don't all go together necessarily i really liked the the art i guess the art direction Mm -hmm. that they did for her room yes 
Um, fuck. What was I going to say? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. When she starts tearing apart the little... Uh, oh, her stuffed animal. Her stuffed animal the, that has been with her for yeah. so long, you know? Um, that, for me, was actually a very unsettling to watch her rip it apart because I've done something like that before where like I've destroyed something that I thought I don't need anymore and destroyed something that it's like, it feels of little consequence to me now, but in actuality I was just thinking, I just kept thinking like, you're going to regret doing that. Yeah. You're really going to regret doing that. And she does immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that was necessarily like, just like the performance was that of a it. performance or right yeah i mean like because because I, I don't know i think sometimes at that age you you really do think that you don't need those things that were crutches for you at one point sometimes so i wonder if the the regret was like a performance even though like i know that even if it was a performance she will regret it eventually yeah, for sure. um i just i i thought that was interesting i guess so we've been talking a lot about the experience of like your body changing and feeling mm. disconnected from a version of self yourself that you once were. Right. Playing and, this game makes you transform. Yes. Right. And this is where I'd it's like safe, to. Fantasy is a safe space to yes. explore these things. Yeah. Yes. This is where I'd like to get into some of the uh, perspectives from trans writers yeah. on this film. Uh, because Schoenbrunn has said that the movie is about exploring the feeling of dysphoria, which uh, is defined as a state of unease or generalized dissatisfaction with life. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of trans people talk about experiencing specifically gender dysphoria, which is, you know, a feeling of unease, dissatisfaction with your gender. Um, So I'd like to bring up something that the writer Willow McClay said. I just want to read this excerpt of Mm -hmm. their uh, review. The language of the World's Fair is built upon the backbone of body horror, which is also the closest thing we have to a cinematic language of gender dysphoria. In their filmmaking notes, which were released ahead of the Sundance Film Festival, Schoenbrunn states that World's Fair is an attempt to use the language of cinema to articulate the hard-to-describe feeling of dysphoria. Schoenbrunn elaborates further that their adolescence was a constant feeling of unreality, one cut with an ambient sense of shame, self-loathing, and anger. What Schoenbrunn has accomplished with the form of World's Fair is akin to catching a wisp of smoke, because the images, mood, and aesthetic that they have brought to life is one that is understood completely by trans people as one of familiarity, without also plunging into the obvious melodrama or liberal backpatting that is usually associated with good direct representation. Very true. Casey's experience with the World's Fair and the way she uses the internet is like a secret handshake of transness that is deliberately for us. Because cisgender audiences do not understand the text of gender dysphoria when it is not also accompanied by bells and whistles. This is staggeringly unique in construction and exciting for what it may offer in telling stories of transness without the burden of medical queries getting in the way. Yeah. That, honestly, I think that's partly why it was... I'm kind of mixed on it because I just... That's not my lived experience. Yeah. But I'm really... That's really highlighting why this really is a special film. Because it really is an art piece. This really does feel like this this movie belongs at an art installation. It very much plays like that. Just because of the conversation that it that it spurs and that the the feelings that it creates in people. Because I think Jane talked about how uh, 
people, you know, who were talking to their therapist watched this movie and a month later realized that they were trans. Yeah. Like, this movie has that power, and that's really impressive. Yeah, I I really... That's why I, I find the fact that it is about evoking a feeling mm-hmm. so so potent because yeah i'm i'm often very you know literal minded in my readings of films as well but i just i think that this movie does such an effective job at mm-hmm. putting you in the shoes of this protagonist and you know in some ways of this writer director that i just i find it so powerful yeah um the one other thing i want to bring up from uh, Willow McClay's review is uh, kind of their reading of the end of the film because I mentioned that I find JLB to be this very predatory presence Mm -hmm. but I find that a lot of the trans writers that I've read and by the way this Willow McClay article is one that uh, Schoenbrunn highlighted in a thread on Twitter of good trans readings of we're all going to the world's fair. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, McClay brings up towards the end, uh, this sort of allegory for that, that JLB kind of functions as an allegory for an adult presence that is going through something similar to your surrogate trans teen character. Mm -hmm. Um, so, Casey needed the World's Fair to survive, and for today's generation of young adults, we've had an experience with a smaller, more personal internet whose nooks and crannies allowed for niche communities to thrive and prop one another up. When I was 15 years old, I had an account at a transgender safe haven called Susan's Place, where I could be out and have control of my life in this one very real instance. There were adults who helped me get black market hormones, even though I was a teenager, and they assured me it was safe, even though I had no real idea what I was putting into my body. They worked. I developed in ways I wanted to, but then I got scared I wouldn't be able to hide my changes, and I left Susan's and got rid of the hormones, even though they were helping me. Being on that website at that time and being with those people helped save my life in some way. And even if my relationship with that website was naive and potentially too trusting, it's part of my history. Just as the World's Fair is part of Casey's and a million other stories of relationships formed on the internet will be for others. The internet is part of us. Break your finger, wipe the blood on the screen. We already have. Hmm. Yeah, no. I, to me, the reason why I found the movie unnerving was probably because of my lived experience on the internet. Um, I mean, I used to, used to go on chat rooms, you know, when I was 12, 11. I think I started when I was like 11, 11, yeah. 12, 13. And, um, and I was at the museum the other day and I was really just thinking about like how long, I, <laughs> you know, when you're like female identifying or you're a minor, it's just that the world is like inherently or just like you queer in any way also, you know, the world is inherently like a dangerous place. You don't really ever know where the danger is going to come from and whether or not um, an innocuous situation is going to be dangerous, that a you know a conversation you have with some fucking stranger is going to be a dangerous situation. So I found the movie interesting because of that, for sure. Um, so I don't know. The, the J, was it JBL or JLB? JLB. JLB. It's a very... 
strange character. He drank warm milk and he lo- right. he lived in a room that looked like it must have been his childhood bedroom or something because there was toys and stuff on the wall. So it made me think that he was stunted yeah. in his uh, growth in some way, there. which, um, you know, I mean, I think... I really don't want to like generalize, but at least in the perception of like sexual offenders in film, that is often how they are portrayed. Yeah. So I'm not sure what they were trying to say exactly, um, this, okay. but that's, that's that's how I read it a little bit. So I'm glad you brought up JLB because this just reminded me of the one time we see another person oh, yeah. in his space way in the background. You can see he's sitting on the couch. And you can see someone. It looks like a woman. It's a reflection in the in the glass, or is it outside? No, it's it's, no, it's way in. It's deep in the back. She's background. like cleaning or something. Oh, okay. No, she's she's packing bags. Oh, I'm pretty oh. sure she's carrying bags so out. Did of the you house. see her too? Yeah, I saw her too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. So I I think there's an implication <laughs> that he is being left by his you know presumably his, his wife, right? Um, which you know lends. If you're reading it as he's a predatory figure, mm-hmm. lends credence to that, you know. Oh, see, his I read, wife has found something out and she's leaving. I read that as like, uh, it looks like somebody like his mom is cleaning the house, which makes me, you know, it, it gives me more of like an idea of like infantilizing him in the way that, you know, I tend to see predators kind of portrayed in film to begin with. So Yeah, but I... I find it interesting that a, a lot of the writing from trans people on this movie reads JLB as someone who's has a similar lived experience to Casey and that connection being maybe not necessarily healthy, but important. And mm, that yeah. he doesn't have sinister intent. Um, interesting. Yeah, I... It's really hard to say because uh, the movie is so open-ended, you know? Yeah. So, so I really don't know. I really don't know how to process him, I guess. I, you know, there's a certain way that I read him, but I really can't know for sure. And, uh, and that's the thing about the internet is that that is how it always is, is that you may, like, have conversations with people and you may think, I don't know, is this person like a middle-aged dude, even though they say that they're like a 16, 18-year-old guy or some, or a girl or whatever, you know? You just never know. You, I don't know. It's. I think the, I liked the fact that the movie was open-ended because it is an accurate representation of just the mystery of the internet that we can never really know um, and that we are constantly kind of um, in conversation with. Yeah. I yeah I would definitely encourage everybody listening to uh, go to Jane Schoenbrunn's thread on trans writing about this film because you're going to get a deeper perspective on it than you know we can probably give you. Yeah. But I you know I th- I think it's an important film to highlight because it wasn't a big release and it's not a you know traditional narrative but i think it's incredibly unique uh for me inspires a significant emotional response and uh yeah i I think it's saying something important i will agree anna cobb was great i did not 
I I don't, I don't like watching things that remind me of what it was like at that age to experience things. I think it's just, I think that's probably another reason why, like, I was like very much like, I don't really want to watch this. I think I just don't really love reliving certain experiences of certain ages. Like the awkwardness that I felt between the ages of like 11 to 14, that specific period, I don't want to relive. Because there was so much like uncertainty and just feeling not normal, you know, that like and seeing her and like kind of the cringe kind of stuff that she does. It's like I'm reliving myself a little. And I was like, I don't want it. I don't want it. Please take it away. As as someone (laughs) which means that she did it well, you know, she killed it. She did such a good job as as someone who made youtube videos in middle school no. it is brutal to watch yeah. uh yeah the I, the only movie i think that has sort of come close in depicting that you know teenage or you know young teenage online performance and doing things that you think are cool and that sort of way of speaking that is yeah inspires such cringe if you lived it the only other movie that i've seen come close is Bo Burnham's eighth grade. Uh, oh my God. That, yes. That brutal awkwardness. Oh my God. Is, yeah. That it, was it, a hard watch for me too. I was just like, <laughs> I rewatched it there, today. Girl. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I still have to watch it. I still have to watch <laughs> Bo Burnham's eighth grade. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you want to find that thread, go to at Jane Schoenbrunn on Twitter. It's S C H O E N. B-R-U-N. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, they've got a ton of great writing on this movie uh, in a Twitter thread. I'll have to check that out. Excellent. Uh, do we have anything else we want to say on the movie? Uh, I, I'm glad I watched it. Thank you, Zach, for recommending. I, I, am, I am glad I watched this. This was, I, and honestly, when I was thinking about, because I told you, I didn't know how I felt about it, really, after I had just seen it. Uh, I'm glad I got to process it and talk about it with you two because the conversation that it creates, I think uh, I enjoy more than the film itself, but I think that's what makes it such a great piece of art is that it, it creates a sort of conversation. Yeah. So yeah. props to Jane. And I'm, again, I'm so excited that they, that they took shrooms apparently and realized that, oh my God, I'm non-binary and oh my God, no, I do. I am an artist. Because that, that's part of what Casey struggles with is you're watching all of this these these content creators who are playing this yeah. game and the movie starts with Casey basically going, no, I'm going to create two. Yeah. I'm going to create some content and how I kind of see that parallel between Casey and Jane, the director, editor, writer of this film, of, of finding that agency of, no, I don't have to write spec scripts for other directors. I can write my own script and I will direct and I will edit the damn thing. Yeah. So that's yeah. great. And I, I, that's really inspiring. I have to shout out uh, David Lowry, director of The Green Knight, for uh, coming on as an executive producer on this. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's cool. Um, yeah, so you can find this movie on HBO Max and I highly encourage you to watch it and, yeah, seek out uh, trans perspectives on this film if you want to get a... Probably a more nuanced read yeah. on it than we're going to be able to give you. Yeah, thank thank you, Zach. Also, because I never would have watched this movie on my own. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, it's a good one. I'm I'm a big fan. Yeah. Cool. 
So, well, folks, that was a good episode. I thought it was good, at least. Yeah, I really wasn't sure if I was actually going to have anything to say about it, so I was very, very quiet at the beginning. But um, as soon as I had something to disagree with about, uh, I sure... <laughs> and that's what I I'm sure here got for. Yeah. That's what Nick is here for. Um, so, do either of you have your pick for next week? Because we do need to say it at the end of this episode. That's true. Alexis, do you have your pick of uh, what you'd like to cover? Am I going next week? Uh, you don't whoever have to. has a pick goes next week. I think I have one. If you don't have one, then I'll go next week. But. I mean, I have the pick. We can just tell them what all of them are. Well, no, no. We got, we got okay. to tell them what next week's is. So okay. who's going next week? You go next week. I'll go the last week. That sound good? Okay. Great. Well, mine are, mine are fun. So um, I guess that'll be a fun What's, what's your movie? Uh, no, I'm making you guys watch a double feature. I'm making you guys watch Bullet Train and Do Revenge. Um, and then <laughs> oh, you weren't kidding. Oh, my God. I'm not. I'm not kidding. Okay. You know what? You can't fucking complain. Uh, no, okay. I'm not complaining. I'm yeah, excited. exactly. <laughs> I'm like, like, I don't know what that reaction was, but we're watching the high school movie. <laughs> And no, it's more about the bullet train than do revenge. But. Bullet. Okay, I'll, I'll say this: like the first twenty minutes, I'm not like super crazy about, but like the rest of it is like so much fucking fun. It's so fucking fun. Like it is literally a high speed train ride. Actually, I'm wow. Yeah, so <laughs> my mom will be happy that I finally watched Bullet Train. She's been trying to get yeah, me to watch like this the for ending. A long time. I don't. I don't really love the way that it ties it up, you know. And I don't love like the setup in the beginning, but the middle is meaty and it's fun. And I love the characters. It's a great ensemble. Um, Bad Bunny's in it, and he's hot. So all righty. Yeah. So Do Revenge is directed by Jennifer Caton Robinson, and it stars Maya Hawk and Camila Mendez. Uh, and Bullet Train is directed by David Leach, and it stars... Everyone. Uh, yeah, basically <laughs> yeah. everyone, but namely Brad Pitt, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Joey King, Brian Tyree Henry. Um, and you can find both of those movies on Netflix, so oh, go God. ahead and watch them. And if you want to find us on the internet, oh, if you want to find descend us. into the dark recesses of the internet, Do much like Casey, you can find us on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at FilmMajorsPod. And if you want to shoot us an email, you can email us at FilmMajorsPod at gmail.com. And I'm realizing now that we once again have not responded to my father's email. So we're going to push that to next Whoopsie. week. Email next us? week. Yeah, Whoopsie. he emailed us. I said it at the end of last episode that we were going to address it on the I'm next episode. so sorry, Mr. Harris. <laughs> sorry, Mr. Harris. Yeah, so, uh, oh yeah, my mom like also emailed us. So uh, we've got to get to this. What the hell? you got to tell us these things. It's going to be a Zach parental episode next week. Oh, yeah, so, can't uh, wait. If you're excited for that, tune in next week. We come at you every Friday. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Our big topic for next week is just Zach's parents. <laughs> yes. It doesn't That's have to be. all we're discussing. I don't really want to do that. You can watch Do Revenge and Bullet Train if you want, listeners, but we're just going to be talking about Mr. and Mrs. Harris. Oh, boy. Buckle up, buckleheads. Great. Yeah. Awesome. All Bye. Right. Fuck.